Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Saw Something Scary. I'm your host, Derek Zhu. Alongside me, as always, is the Linda to my Janice, Jeff Wright. Jeffrey, how are we doing today, buddy? Doing all right, man. I'm not sure if you're on board with me on this, but I feel like we finally watched a pretty decent horror movie. We, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it here in a little bit. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about Annabelle Creation, and we got a lot to cover, so we're going to jump right in with everyone's favorite segment of the show. That's right, it's Jeff Hates Trailers. Time. Jeffrey, you were talking about the Monster Project on the last episode, and by the way, thank you for covering on that. Well, I mean, it's the least I can do when I deleted the dumb thing. Yeah, it happens every once in a while. You've just got to delete things. Um, <laughs> I haven't had a chance. I personally have haven't had a chance to watch the Monster Project yet, so could you fill me in on that? What's going on? Yeah, it's a movie where uh, the conceit is someone decides to do a documentary about actual monsters. So they put a call out in some major metropolitan city, maybe it's Los Angeles, and say, if you consider yourself a monster, we want to do a show about you. So you know there are people who uh, in real life consider themselves to be a vampire, for instance. Uh, they will show up on like History Channel documentaries every now and then. I think that's what we're supposed to think the central character uh, is putting a call out for. But the uh, the what shows up turns out to be actual monsters. And so there's someone who appears to be an actual vampire, someone who is demon-possessed, okay. and some other kind of monster. And they basically get trapped in the location where they were going to film this documentary with these monsters. So it's sort oh, of okay. a found footage looking thing. I know a lot of people are out on found footage. Yeah. I still enjoy that genre despite how overused it is. Yeah. And um, anyway, I don't think this is going to be like on my top 10 list forever, but it looked like an interesting project. Sure. Yeah. Cool, man. And that comes out this week. Is that right? I think it's this week. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So check out the Monster Project uh, at a theater near you or a video on demand near you or whatever the situation calls for. Yeah, I think it's probably mostly going to be video on demand. There may be some theaters that carry it, but I would just Google it. The Monster okay. Project, I think people can find it pretty easy. Cool. Uh, moving right along, we'll jump into uh, Rememory, uh, which will be out in uh, a couple weeks on August the 24th. Uh, the summary of it is the widow of a wise professor stumbles upon one of his inventions that's able to record and play a person's memory. It stars Peter Dinklage, Julia Ormond, Anton Yelkin, or Yelchin. I've never understood how you say his name. I got no, I can't you help know. you. I think Yelkin. Henry Ian Cusick from Lost. Okay. Yeah, Desmond. And that is the only other person of note that I can see. Uh, looks, looks pretty cool though, man. Looks like a like a real kind of sci-fi kind of movie. I know that's kind of been where we've hit at lately, but... So, Dinklage is the lead on this, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, he gets top billing, I'm assuming. He's probably the professor that died, maybe? Yeah, I would assume so. Yeah. Has he done... Has has he been a lead on anything that you've seen? Um, I mean, would you consider him the lead in the X-Men movie that he was in? Days of Future Present? Uh, yeah, maybe. Well, I mean, he's he's certainly high profile. He's one of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you watch Game of Thrones? Uh, I do not. I don't either. I know he's sort of risen in... in prominence yeah. he got involved with that project. Yeah, it, it, I'll be interested to see him as a lead. Uh, I'm not saying he can't. I'll just be interested to see how it plays out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it should be good. And this is Anton's last movie. Of course, he tragically passed away last June. Yeah, man. And, I, I was more affected by that news than I expected to be. Yeah, you know what I was too. And you know what I think it is? I think it's because I like his character in Star Trek so much. He's great. I think I think he's his character from Star Trek, and that's what I felt bad about. Yeah, he's great as uh, Chekhov. He did he did a really good job in that. He was fantastic. Do you ever see Green Room? I feel like we've talked about this before. You have told me to see Green Room, and it's, it's on so my good. Netflix list, yeah. and I've never watched it. 
Because when I go to watch a movie, I will forget about queuing it up and playing it. Yeah. That's a movie that we need to put on the list of things that we need to review. Let's do that then. Let's do that. I don't know if it'll be next week or whenever you want to, but that way I will have some accountability to get that thing watched. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, Moving on to Flatliners. Uh, Full disclosure, this is a a trailer that Jeff and I saw in the theaters uh, this week when we went to watch Annabelle. Uh, Also, full full disclosure, this is a trailer that Mike D and I talked about on the episode that you weren't here. That's right. Evil Dead 2. That's right. I remember that. Well, let me tell you about this one. Did you watch the original Flatliners? Yeah. Okay. I have never watched that all the way through. Okay. Uh, People will probably kill me for this. It never has really carried my interest. Really? Yeah, I just couldn't get into it. Okay. But seeing this trailer before Annabelle Creation, uh, I'm really interested in this now. So the trailer did what it's supposed to. It got a viewer. I I would have probably skipped that just because I didn't care for the original. But having seen the trailer, I'm going to watch it now. Well, you know, uh, it's something that Mike D and I were talking about. Ellen Page seems like she picks her... Her role's very, uh, she's very choosy with what she does. That's a great point. So if it's good enough for Ellen Page, then I think it's good enough. That's a strong point. I hadn't considered that, but yeah, you're right on. Okay. And then uh, you want to talk about the It little snippet that we got to see? The Snip It we got to see? Come on. Uh, Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, killing it right now. Come on. Well, Derek, what did you think about that It Snip It? Dude, I thought it was great. I did too. Um, It hit me in my horror movie feel spot. And I am pumped for September the 8th. No disagreement here. Completely with you. One of my central concerns about that project is how much I enjoyed Tim Curry's performance as it in the original miniseries. Mm -hmm. And I get with all the upgrades and technology and cinematography and all the things we can do now that they couldn't do back then, that this movie should be better. But the one thing I was thinking they could not get better was, you know, Tim Tim Curry playing it. Yeah. Who is the person playing it here? Is it Peter Skarsgård? It's it's one of the Skarsgård brothers. Okay. I don't know if it's Peter or not. Bill Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. I didn't, maybe I didn't even know there was a Bill Skarsgård. Okay, so if, if what we saw in that excerpt is indicative of Skarsgård's performance as it, I'm going to be blown away by that movie. I'm not going to say that he's going to be better than Curry, but I was more riveted in that opening scene, which it seemed like it was a little bit longer than the one in the miniseries. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long it's been since you looked at that, but when Georgie's looking into the drain and he's encountering it for the yeah. first time, I felt like this version of that scene was a little bit longer. Yeah. But I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. Uh-uh. So they they had my money already. Yeah. Um, but I'm like you. I'm just kind of counting down the minutes now, too. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's an opening night for me. Like, yeah. if I, if, unless for some reason I have a show, and then it'll be after the show that I go see that movie. Um, even if it's by myself at midnight, by, you know, in a, a lone theater. Yeah, I don't know if you heard me. I'm assuming you did since we're sitting close to each other, but when they pulled up, you know, that you get this, you get this shot of Stephen King. <laughs> looking into his nostrils, uh, counting nostril hairs. Yeah. When he said, we're going to show you an excerpt from it, I said out loud, don't do this. Yeah. I was so angry. <laughs> Why are you ruining things for me, Stephen King? Exactly. Yeah. But I am so thankful. That was such a great yeah. teaser. I, it really was. And I mean, you know, if, if you've seen the miniseries, you know how that scene ends. And I mean, legitimately, I was on the edge of my seat. Like, are they going to show it? How far are they going to go with this? And when they cut it, I was like, oh, dude, I can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be really good. Yeah. So, uh, on the lines of it, you've got some, you've got some horror news. Yeah. yeah I'm going to play horror reporter if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. S- speaking of it, we found out via the British Board of Film Classification 
uh, how long it is going to run. So we're going to get an hour, excuse me, we're going to get 135 minutes of the Scary Clown It. Holy smokes, dude. Well, and remember, they're trying to make this into two movies. Right. So 135 minutes will make this film just an hour shorter than the original miniseries. Yeah, good call. Then we'll get the... Part two. Part two that I guess is going to follow adults. Yeah. It has just got expanded radically, which normally I hate. When they blew up the Harry Potter franchise at the end there to turn it into multiple movies, thought that was a cash grab. I did not care for, still don't, the Hunger Games. But when they split up, you know, the final set of movies there, thought cash grab. Man, just when we think that the Jennifer Lawrence haters or, or the Jennifer Lawrence fans are going to die down on us, now all of a sudden you're hating on the Hunger Games. That's true. I, I didn't realize I'd stumbled into that hornet's nest. I'll All hate that. tweets go to right Jeff at right Jeff. Remember, Derek Zoo said he'll date Jennifer Lawrence. Whoa, brave choice. <laughs> Way to put yourself out there, Derek. I'll follow my sword. You don't like when things are blown up. Yeah, I hate that. But having watched what I've seen now from it, yeah. they can stretch this thing as long as they want. So uh, this is good news to me. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm really excited to find out who's going to play the adult version of these characters. You're the first person I heard ask that question, and it's been stuck in my brain ever since. Yeah. The uh, the original miniseries has some really incredible acting, both with the children and the adults. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, actually, Stephen King's, I guess, earlier attempt at this... Uh, same plot line, Stand By Me. You know, it comes from his story. I think it's called The Body. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you Go back and look at that. The casting for that, for the kids, is incredible. Yeah. You could not afford those guys now. Yeah, that's so, very true. Uh, they've got a high mark to live up to in casting the adults. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I just recently went back and watched it for the first time in years, probably, and forgot that Annette O'Toole was in it. Mm-hmm. Forgot that Harry Anderson was in it. Yeah. So when his name pops up in the credits, it's like, surely it's not the dude from Night Court. And it was. Yeah. So it's really awesome. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing who plays the adult. And not only that, but I'm also available. Get at us casting. Let me know what you need from me. <laughs> if I'm central enough, do you think maybe they'll they'll enjoy it? Yeah, I, I don't know if I can actually pick that up on the levels, but oh, the sensuality, it. if yeah. I can get that. I, hey, baby, I want to play the guy in it. Is that better? They need a comedian. <laughs> they do. They need Harry Anderson replaced. And Harry Anderson can't do it. That's He's too true. old. That's true. All right. What else we got? Well, you'll be excited about this because I know you're a Jordan Peele and a Get Out fan. Yes, I am. Uh, right now, estimates are that this that Get Out will have the largest profit margin of any 2017 film. Unreal. So just to hit the, the details, the produced for a budget of $4.5 million. Uh, it's brought in more than $251 million worldwide. That's insane. That's a 5,577% profit margin. Dude. 5,500%. Almost 5,600% profit margin. Unreal. Bloomhouse be cash and checks. Yeah. Well, see, and it goes back to what we talked about with Split, and it goes back to what we talked about with this movie, and it's even what we talked about. Was it? Yeah, I guess it was on the on the deleted episode last week where we talked about bigger budgets, bloated directors, right? Mm-hmm. Like Knight is back to making decent movies with Split and and in a smaller budget, and hopefully, to goodness. They're not going to expound it for this next one that he does. Jordan Peele makes, still in my opinion, the best movie of the year. Yeah, no. Not just horror movie. Like, the best movie of the year would get out on a $4.5 million budget. We watched Bye Bye Man earlier this year, and it was it was on, like, what, like a 10, maybe? I know it was yeah. more than this. Yeah, it was more, for sure. So. I hadn't thought about that. That's depressing. I mean, it's just crazy. Like, Blumhouse has found the formula, mm-hmm. and they've got it. And so, man, run with it now. Take it. Yeah. Um, you know, we saw in the late 90s that the attempt to do big budget horror movies. Um, I can't remember that one that Catherine Zeta-Jones is in, but it's a remake. Like, oh. 
the house. Um, uh, American Haunting? No, it was House on... House on Haunted Hill. House on Haunted Hill. We've seen the error of our ways, mm-hmm. right? Now we're getting all this positive reinforcement that, that horror movies can be done very efficiently. Yeah. Here's the one thing I hope. I hope that this doesn't turn off the faucet for a guy like Jordan Peele. Yeah. Um, I get that a lot, of, like you were saying, a lot of directors get in trouble when they get you know an open tap for all the money they want. But I think he's earned right now the chance to play with something a little bit bigger. Uh, but nonetheless, yeah, this is good news for horror movies because you're going to see more people coming after horror if they think they can make big money off low budgets. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so one little note, I got that information on uh, the profit margin from thterrortime.com. Okay. And the TH there stands for Tom Holland. Okay. But it's not Spider-Man Tom Holland. It's a guy who's, I guess, been involved in the horror industry for a long time. Interesting. It's a pretty cool website. Anybody listening, thhorrortime.com. But the the little piece he, that was put up about this has this detail. Jordan Peele has talked about the direction he'd like to take with Get Out 2. Whoa! Which will be coming to theaters March 15th, 2019. What? Can you conceive of a sequel to Get Out? No. I, mean, I guess you could go to another cell of that uh, society the family was a part of, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess you could expound upon that cult, but man, I Just, hate to... I'm not going to doubt him, but it sure doesn't lend itself in my mind to an obvious sequel. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what you call it either. No for real, get out. <laughs> the sunken place. Get back out. How I got in before I needed to get out. How could you be so dumb to get back in? That's it. Jordan Peele, we're willing to license that for a very reasonable sum. Yeah. I just want to play the uh, Rod Williams part in this movie. That's all I want. I think that's easily done. Yeah. Totally reasonable. Uh, Speaking of Jordan Peele, I had not heard of this novel, but uh, I'm interested because Jordan Peele is now attached. Matt Ruff wrote a a novel in 2016 called Lovecraft Country. Here's the the synopsis. It's a thriller detailing how African Americans dealt with both over and covert racism in the 1950s. The protagonists travel across the country in order to find the main character's father, who they believe has been kidnapped by a racist secret society. Sound familiar? <laughs> Jeez. So, it, uh, also from thcharitime.com, they go on to say it incorporates themes common in legendary writer H.P. Lovecraft's novel. I don't know how that's going to work, but Get Out director Jordan Peele is going to be brought in to help adapt the book for HBO. Okay. And you had me at Jordan Peele has been brought in to adapt the series for HBO. Definitely. Uh, had you heard of Lovecraft Country? I know you're a reader. I No, I hadn't. I don't know anybody who's read this book. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to try to track it down at some point. Um, but it's just good to know that we're getting more Jordan Peele. Absolutely. He's earned his way into yeah. more projects, yeah. so good for him. Any, any Anything with Jordan Peele right now is going to get my seal of approval. Yeah. So. And this sounds, I mean, it sounds close enough to get out that you're, uh, I'm hoping it doesn't become just another copy of it, mm-hmm. but it's in his wheelhouse, obviously. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last bit of news. I know you and I are both fans of Mike Flanagan. We're, uh, we're looking forward to interviewing him. And what has hung us up on that is his work on The Haunting of Hill House. Well, news broke today, excuse me, news broke this week that he is bringing in Henry Thomas, who played the priest in Ouija Origin. Okay. Elizabeth Reeser, who played the mom in Ouija Origin. Okay. And Kate Siegel. Yes. So if you don't know Kate Siegel, she starred in and co-wrote Hush. Our episode reviewing that movie uh, is available in the archives. One of our better movies. One yeah, of the better sure. movies that we've we've watched. One of the better horror movies I've seen in the last couple of years. And the best slasher movie I've seen in probably a decade. But also, Kate Siegel is Flanagan's wife. Yeah, man. Uh, she's awesome. They're great together. Uh, the Elizabeth Reeser was really great in Ouija. Uh, Henry Thomas. Is it Henry or Hentry? Is it Henry? Henry is probably a 
uh, oh, okay. typo there. Uh, way to go, uh, press release. So, yeah, Henry Thomas uh, was, was really good. He's the he's the guy that she went on the date with. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's okay. right. Yeah. He's so, also in E.T., I'm pretty sure. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I was, read he a, like, was he like Elliot? I don't know. I read a piece saying that he'd made his peace with E.T., so... <laughs> what if he's just really freaked out by the puppet? What, what if he's E.T.? <laughs> he might be. Reese's Beezus. Dude, that's something E.T. got right. Yeah, M&Ms man. are inferior to Reese's Pieces. Henry Thomas was Elliot. Yeah. Okay. Holy smokes. Would you believe that? I, I feel like that's something that we said on that episode, though. On the Ouija episode. Well, my memory is fraud. <laughs> that's all right. Not that's the deal. attention to detail you can come to expect from <laughs> I may edit all this out then. Reese's Beezus. Don't edit that out because it's spot on E.T. On the uh, the casting news there. Yes. I love everything Flanagan does. He's on my annual renewal pass. Like, if he's doing it, I'm in. And the fact that he has worked so well with so many of these actors already uh, means this makes me even more excited for The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, man. I'm... I mean, like you said, I'm pumped because it's a Mike Flanagan project. Uh, but uh, I'm I'm not pumped about it because it's kept him off the show. But I'm pumped <laughs> about it because it's, it's a Mike Flanagan project. And now you're bringing in Elliot. You're bringing in Reese's Pieces. Uh, you're bringing in Elizabeth Reeser. Not Reese's Pieces, sorry. Elizabeth Reeser. And you're bringing in Kate Siegel, which we all know that Kate Siegel and he have, I mean, amazing chemistry on and off camera. So, yeah, man. I'm all in. That's great. Yeah, it's all good news this week. Like, Definitely. Good news that we're getting a lot of Stephen King's It. Good news that Get Out's making a ton of money and Jordan Peele's getting more work. And good news that Flanagan's getting to work with his all-stars. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, that's all the news I've got for you. This has been this week's Horror Horror. You want right. to uh, pull the curtains on Annabelle Creation? Um. Oh, hey, I wanted to tell you about this. Speaking of Netflix. No, I'm sorry, the time's over. Have you? Okay, never mind. Tune in next week for Horror Reporter. Um, no, I was wanting to tell you, have you heard about this? The guy that, uh, like the co-founder of Netflix, has come up with a thing called Movie Pass. Where it's ten dollars a month, and you can watch any movie in the theaters anytime. You get one free movie a day. That's ten bucks. The Hallelujah Chorus is playing in my head. Right? That's the greatest <laughs> news I've heard in weeks and weeks. Right? So, in particular, because AMC bought our local theater, yeah, and jacked all the prices up the same percentage point that uh, Get Out made over its budget. Yeah, I mean, call. every time That's I go really to AMC, I'm, I just feel like I'm I, they need to hold a gun on me or something. Yeah, I mean, I made the joke in front of the general manager of the movie theater on Monday, you know, that I had to mortgage the house to get the popcorn and the Coke. Yeah. But... Well, and that, he's a friend. Right. Um, and you, you should be listening to his podcast. It's called The Box Officers. It's really good. It's really good. He and the Johnson boys. Yep. The issues with AMC at our theater now are not his. Not because he was managing when it was Carmike. Right. I still think there's got to be like a matinee every now and then. Yeah. Or some way to, you know, as a member of their Stubbs Insider Club, that I ought to be able to buy tickets on my phone without having to pay a convenience fee. Yeah. As if it's not better for them that I go ahead and spend the money and they have it in their pocket, obligating me to come see the movie. Yeah. You know, contrary to like, I may go see a movie about having money on the line, so I may not go. Anyway, rant over. No, but, it's fine, um, man. I don't want no stubs. That's all I'm saying. Dude, movie pass. Yeah. Movie pass is what I'm getting as soon as they make it available. Yeah. I, I think it might actually be available right now. I'll tell you what. I'm out of here. We're going to. Talk to you later. All right, guy Jeff has left. Uh, he kind of made this entire uh, format for this week, so that's all we got. That's all the time we have for the Mega Potters. Wait, that's not it. Saw something scary. I'm wondering if Movie Pass could possibly be financially viable for a movie theater. Uh, man, well, see, here's the thing. 
you don't make your money on movies. Oh, that's right. You make your money on the concessions. That's right. So if so, to your average Joe who's going to pay ten bucks a month to do this, you're going to come in the movie theater. Well, now you've got more money to spend on juju beans or popcorn or sodas or whatever the situation is. Well, then does that mean the studios will oppose this? Because I would imagine the profit margin that's getting cut is theirs. I mean, you would you would think maybe but. maybe in the age of streaming, they're willing to just take guaranteed revenue over potential revenue. You know, by saying you know we've got their money every month. Yeah, maybe that's it. I and mean, whatever it is, the Amazon version of going to see the movies, you know, where they have my credit card on file and they just auto renew. Yeah, I'm completely in on that. You're, yeah, I'm wondering if, though if like AMC is gonna because the first thing that popped up was Variety says Movie Pass leaders talk AMC legal threats. Great. Yeah. So thanks AMC. Yes. Thanks for sucking it all sides. <laughs> Uh, all right. You and I need to open a pirate movie theater. Not running pirated movies, but just kind of like, you know, back in the old wrestling days when there would be um, territories. People had control of the territory where they yes, were you could put a wrestling show on. I love it. And what they call those guys who'd come in and try to like run a promotion inside the territory? Outlaw. Outlaw. We need an outlaw movie theater. Uh, yeah. Let's old go. Uh, let's go. What's what's in the old $2 theater over here now? A bank? Yeah, like a financial services. Yeah, they don't need that around here. What about Oldham's Theater in Sparta? There it is. There we go, baby. All right, you know what? Forget this. We can talk about moving past some other time when it becomes more plausible. Let's talk about Annabelle, my man. Annabelle, it is directed by David F. Sandberg. Did you see his movie Lights Out? I did not. Did you see the uh, little short that the feature film was based on? I did see that. So I really liked Lights Out, but I think the short was even better. Okay. You know, I, I mentioned last week, I think, on this episode, uh, on the show that David F. Sandberg is a good Twitter follow. Right. I noticed the other day he was tweeting back at a fan who'd asked him what his advice were for people wanting to break into directing. Mm-hmm. And he said, just be constantly making shorts. And so he obviously attributes his career to that short, and that makes sense. Yeah. It got him a big budget to use to make a feature film. Uh, but it's also interesting to hear him say, just hone your craft on shorts. I wouldn't have thought that. I thought, make sure you get into a good film school or something. Yeah, but yeah it, that is an interesting piece of advice. That's really good, though. Um, hopefully my, my buddies Mike D and Josh Hall are listening to this Maybe they can take that advice as well yeah. and keep it going. Now, he is directing Shazam. Am I correct Shazam. on that? How dare you? Yes. He the is. superhero known as Shazam? The superhero known as Captain Marvel, who, who DC has made the mistake of trying to rename Shazam, even though Shazam has been the wizard for 60-something years. I thought Shazam was that movie that uh, Sinbad did back in the 90s where he was a genie. Yeah, you've got that old VHS. Yeah, I've got that old VHS of it. So, yeah, he is doing uh, the Shazam movie that is apparently, based on news that came out today, the next DC Extended Universe film to shoot. Oh, okay. Awesome. Targeting 2019, The Rock is not going to be in it. I'm done. I actually think it's a good move. You'll have to listen to my other podcast called The Shazam Cast to find out why. But anyway, yeah, Sandberg is doing this. So Sandberg doing... I was just about to plug The Shazam Cast, well, by thank the way. You. Yeah, you're very welcome. That. Yeah, go listen to our sister podcast, The Shazam Cast, all about the wonderful character of Shazam. <laughs> all about the wonderful character of, of Captain Marvel. I almost said Dr. Marvel. I'm sorry. Captain Marvel in the DC Cinematic Universe. We're all pretty excited about Shazam coming out and being directed by David Sandberg. 
well, really, with him handling Shazam and handling a Conjuring movie, he has hit like both streams of my pop culture affection. So he's your Phil Spy director. He is, other than Mike Flanagan. Right. Yeah, I'm really excited about that project, and I'm really glad he got the assignment to do Shazam because one of the key elements to the Shazam story is that uh, the main character's alternate identity, you know, his Clark Kent, is a 12-year-old boy named Billy Batson. The conceit is he says a magic word, he becomes basically Superman, this Captain Marvel character. Is that word Shazam? <laughs> that word is Shazam. So I'm excited that in the Annabelle origin, mm-hmm. we get evidence that Sandberg is able to get incredible performances out of children who, sure. are, who yeah. are leads in Definitely. the movie. Definitely. Good call. So I had come up, you know, I'd come to this movie, or rather I'd come to the news of him having the Shazam assignment, thinking, I don't know if I want a horror guy doing this Shazam movie, because Shazam as a character is all about optimism and like how great it would be as a kid to get to get to be Superman, basically. Sure. Yeah. You want lighthearted, optimistic, bright colors. I didn't think a horror director would be ideal for that kind of project, but after watching what he got out of these young starlets, brother, I'm on board. Yeah, man. He he did a really great job uh with um, yeah, with all of them, but I mean, especially Linda and Janice. Those are the two that, that really stand out, in my opinion. Yeah, I want to talk about the uh, actresses next. I just want to point out something about this movie from a directorial standpoint. Lay it on me. Sandberg decided to use Steadicam for his tracking shots. Okay. Because of the period setting. And you know who else chose to do that? Uh, let's see. If I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about directors in your field spot. Mike Flanagan? Yeah, guess which movie? Uh, Ouija Origin? Yeah, I, I thought it was a great decision in Ouija Origin, and I think it was a great decision in The Conjuring. So, I appreciate those little details, right? He's he's paying attention to things that help the movie feel more realistic. Yeah, absolutely. Before we start talking about the, uh, before they start talking about the actresses and going into details on this movie. Hey, uh, Wahlberg, can you stop in real quick? What? No. Spoiler alert. Thanks, buddy. Go back in your cell. Well, we want to talk about three of the actresses in this movie, and we can talk about more if you want to, but there's three I want to highlight. Okay. So, the actress playing Bee Mullins, which in the movie is the young girl who becomes Annabelle. Well, I mean, she that is Annabelle, right? Like, she's not... That's true. She yeah. is Annabelle, but she got gets replaced by a demon... Right. ...who masquerades her to possess the doll. Right. Um, that actress... But at the be just so we're not confusing people, at the beginning of the movie, she is Annabelle. She died She's a real-life little girl named Annabelle. Right. She dies tragically um, through some uh, conjuring. She winds up, or well, a demon encompasses her likeness and then uh, is asks to be put into this doll and then starts to terrorize the family. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Yeah. Well done. So we get Bee Mullins a couple different times in the movie. We get to meet her playing as a young child who's obviously beloved by her parents in her family home. Then we get her back again, as you said, when the demon is masquerading in her form. And uh, she doesn't have a lot to do, but she did pretty well. Yeah, no, she, I mean, she's really good at being the silent, creepy girl. Um, she's wonderful as the precocious little girl at the beginning of the movie, so full of life and so full of wonderment. And, and it genuinely hurts you to see her pass right like yeah, it's, for a tra- sure. it's a tragic accident and and it, it's it's really hard on i mean it, it was on me you, yeah, know, you like, feel it right like exactly you, you feel it as a loss you get why the parents uh were driven to some drastic measures let me ask you a question about her though she she has one um there's one fright scene that's built entirely upon her right so mm-hmm. janice comes into her old bedroom for the first time mm-hmm. and she sees this little girl that she doesn't know is b but we do because we've seen her earlier she's standing b is standing facing out of out a window and 
and Janice asks her, what do you want? And she turns, and now she's not got the pleasant little face of a precocious young girl. She's got a blackened face of a monster, and she says, your soul. Yeah. Do you think she delivered that line, and they came in blue screened it and changed the voice? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's all. it's always interesting to me what choices directors make and what they ask very young actors to do. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you ever went back and looked at it, but the, the actress who played uh, Reagan in The Exorcist, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the stuff that she was exposed to, I think, was really difficult for her to kind of deal with. And I think they tried to shelter her as much as possible. Yeah. But it's just a weird project for a little girl to be involved in. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very true. Dude, have you looked at Samara Lee, who plays B? Have you looked at her filmography? No. Lay it on me. Her first movie was Foxcatcher? Yeah. Uh, and then she was in The Last Witch Hunter? I didn't see that one. I didn't either. Then she's in Concussion with Will Smith and Annabelle. And then she does some kind of weird, like Willa's Peach. It's a short. Um, I think she. I think she did the voice in it. She was born in South Korea nine years ago. Well, one, that's pretty amazing for a girl her age yeah. to have those under her belt. Two, there is no amount of money that somebody can pay me to let my daughter be a child star. Sure. But since her family has made that decision, it sounds like they've got her booked in pretty well. Uh, how cool is it that she is named after the uh, the big bad from The Ring? <laughs> and that's like legit. They named her Samara. Yeah. I wonder I wonder if they were just big horror fans. I mean, she's kind of born for the roles. Now, Definitely. She also may grow up to be a mass murderer. Well, I mean, you get take the good with the bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great name. Yeah. And and a phenomenal actress. So yeah, yeah. Hope that she hope that she does well in, in her future endeavors. But sort of escalating, I thought Lulu Wilson was incredible too. Yes. So she plays really Linda. Good. She's basically the protagonist of the movie. Yes. And she is one of the most impressive eleven uh, year olds I've ever seen working in film. Uh talking about a filmography and a connection to horror. She's been in Deliver Us from Evil. Oh wow. Do you remember seeing that? I think you and I went to the theater and watched that, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. we did go see that with Eric Bannon. Yeah. yeah. We did. That's true. So she was in that in two thousand four. Then she was the uh, the evil daughter in Ouija Origin of Evil from 2016. Oh, yeah. Okay. She was. That's right. And now she's an Annabelle creation. Yeah, dude. She was really great in uh, in Origin of Evil. Yeah. She was incredible. Yeah. She would have been, you know, the most impressive thing in the movie to me if it hadn't been for Talitha Bateman, who played Janice. Yes. She steals the entire movie. Yeah. I don't know how old she was when they started shooting. Okay. She's 14 years old now. Uh, and I, I would not expect to find that kind of range from an actress twice her age. No, definitely not. She's been in a lot of stuff too, man. And and she's only been at it for about five years. So that's impressive. That she plays, you know, this sweet little uh, girl who's struggling with a handicap, mm-hmm. who then becomes tormented by Annabelle, then turns into Annabelle, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said earlier, I wouldn't expect that kind of range from an actress twice her age. I wouldn't have even thought you could ask a young actress to do that. 14 years old, 12 years old, 8 years old. Uh, she pulled it off remarkably well. The scene, that, that the last scene we get of her as Janice, she's sleeping in a downstairs part of the the house. Uh, her good friend Linda comes to, you know, touch base with her before going to bed. And they have a sweet little, hey, we'll always be friends kind of moment. And I think the next time you see her, uh, no, you get one more scene where she's, you know, basically taken over by the demon. But then the next time you really see her after that, she has become a monster mm-hmm. and she is taunting Linda as she's stabbing 
stabbing this doll that Linda gave her as a gift. And it's one of the more chilling scenes I can remember from, you know, basically any horror movie where it's just on one actress's shoulders yeah. to deliver. So, hey, good job, Talitha Bateman. Everything you want to do from now on, uh, I think you have, I think you've got the kind of chops to, to do whatever you hope to do in the film industry. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, those, those three ladies, I think, have a bright future, hopefully have bright futures ahead of them. And they were really, really great. Um, I, I mean, there's really not much else to talk about. Everyone else is does a passable job, but no one stands out like these three do. Now, these are the luminaries. Yeah. And really, Lulu Wilson and Talitha, even above Samara Lee. You know, they, oh, definitely. They seem to be you know, yeah. in a category themselves. Um, on the Shazam note... So on the uh, what note? Yes. On the oh, oh sorry. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> on the Shazam note, um, the the main character, the little kid, uh-huh. his name is Billy Batson, and you come to find out later on that he has a sister named Mary. Okay. Who then becomes Mary Marvel? She becomes like Supergirl to his Superman. Sure. And I tweeted at Sandberg, not that this means anything, but I said both Lulu Wilson and Talitha would be incredible Mary Marvels. I in in the same way that you see like Flanagan keep bringing his sure uh, favorites in. Yeah. Lulu and Talitha, if I were Sandberg, they would be on my list of any time I needed somebody even slightly young. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, and I, I mean, and it looks that way with Lulu Wilson, so I'm sure that, that that's probably something that he's thought about for the next, you know, for uh, Maggie Marvel or whatever you said it was. Yeah, Maggie Marvel. That's it. <laughs> I'm going to stab you still. <laughs> Shazam. All right, let's just talk about a few cool details about this. Yeah, game. man. Throw it at me. Do you remember the scene where uh, Linda is sitting in a uh, darkened bedroom? Janice has moved out, and she has a pop gun that has a ball and a string. Yes. And she shoots it out in the darkness, and she winds it back in. That was part of the movie. Yeah, and we were going, why are you doing this? Yeah. Like, this, you're antagonizing a monster that you believe is out there. Well, it does make for a pretty creepy scene, right? So, she, the ball gets snatched, and it goes way up high in the air, and she hears something running at her. She runs up into her bed. Something climbs up in bed with her. Uh, one of the coolest scenes in the movie, I thought, and it's an interesting detail uh, that's a carryover from a much inferior uh, film, the, the original Annabelle. The doll never moves. You see the demon move the doll. Mm-hmm. So when she has, you know, escaped her bed, something's climbed up in there, she begins to look out and see if the monster's in the room and she sees Annabelle peeping through a crack at her mm-hmm. and you see a dark hand come across the face and pull it away. Right. If, if you watch this movie, hopefully by now you know exactly what we're talking about. Apparently that was not originally in the script, but Sandberg dreamed that and went back and put it back into the into the script. Oh, holy smokes. And he said, um, he told QZ.com, so Quartz, Mm-hmm. He told Quartz, I dreamed that scene like I was watching the movie almost before we had shot it, and I woke up and wrote that down immediately. Wow. I don't want to live in Sandberg's head. No. <laughs> definitely not. You probably wouldn't make it out alive. No, I don't think so. I mean, but I, would, I definitely would have to take a pop gun. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> On a more serious front. I saw a couple articles coming out after this movie talking about a conjuring universe. Yeah. And in the same way we've got, you know, Marvel Universe, DC, uh, Cinematic Universe, we basically have to consider the conjuring a universe unto itself. So the Hollywood Reporter has a piece out. No, I'm sorry. Forbes saying that um, the conjuring has now become the despicable me of horror. <laughs> okay. I want to get your thoughts on that. The, the thesis is that the spinoffs are doing just as well as the core franchise. So like with Despicable Me and the Minions, Mm -hmm. right? And they're saying that now The Conjuring is just kind of a bankable franchise in and of itself. Annabelle Creation earned $35 million over the weekend. Uh, The Conjuring back in July of 2013, $41.8 million. The original Annabelle, $37 million. The Conjuring 2, $40 million June of 2016. I mean, it's just like uh, Chinese water torture. Yeah. We're going to make $40 million every time we drop one of these movies. Are you ready to consider 
consider the Conjuring uh, world its own universe? I mean, I guess, but I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't like that idea. It feels weird, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I don't. I, I feel like that. That's it's almost becoming a tired trope now, where everything's like we gotta have a universe if the, if they make just the smallest amount of money or or have just the smallest amount of buzz. Like that's the thing I'm worried about when you said get out too. Is now I'm afraid that that's what's going to happen. Is it's going to be like all right? Well, this is. You know, this is part of the, or, you know, run, white boy run, part of the get out universe. Like, it's just not something that I want. And, and, uh, you know, I, I felt, I'm kind of cool with the universal dark universe thing, but at the same time, again, it's just like, why are we, why does everything have to be connected? And yeah, the universe. Um, I mean, these are consistently decent movies, but. I don't know, man. Something like you said, something about that's just weird to me. It strikes me as weird too. Now I'm going to say that I have liked every one of these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Annabelle, the original Annabelle, kind of the least. Okay, I was about to say, but nonetheless, I've watched so many terrible horror movies that sure. I'm kind of glad to be like, yeah, I watch Annabelle. Sure, you know, it yeah. it, uh, it rises to the level of not not bum that I watched it. But apparently, James Wan, who I have a lot of respect for said that all along, this is kind of what he wanted. He said, uh, he told The Hollywood Reporter, very early on, I wanted to call The Conjuring Films The Warren Files, right after Ed and Lorraine Warren. Okay. And um, apparently, he's just always had it in his head that this is going to become a family of films, a universe. So, we've got several already in the pipeline, right? The the stinger for this movie teased The Nun. Mm -hmm. So, The Nun shows up in The Conjuring 2, and she was in a picture briefly in Annabelle Creation. She may be in or she's obviously the one coming up next from them. Uh, and then they're going to have a, a film called The Crooked Man. Okay. That's set in the same universe. And then finally, The Conjuring 3. Um, so we're going to get at least three more of these Conjuring movies. This is Juan's vision. And while, again, while it feels weird to me, I guess here at this point, I'm willing to trust them. But my fear is similar to yours, that this probably means we're going to see this franchise wrung out yeah. for every bit of good that can come out of it. And I really don't want to see these films turn into Friday the 13th right. or you know, right. some of the later Halloween movies. Yeah. You know, the whales, the whales pretty dry, guys. Like, leave it alone. Um, anyway, just to summarize all that, I, I'm very willing and I will show up to watch the next three Conjuring movies. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to play ball with their concept here but I hope they also have the the sense of when it's time to call it a day yeah yeah I I think that would be my biggest thing Um, I enjoyed I think out of all of them I think I enjoyed The Conjuring the most sure actually Um, it's one of the things here in a minute I'd like to kind of do a ranking of the Conjuring universe film okay sure yeah Um, and it's just kind of went downhill from there Uh, I enjoyed The Conjuring too, but not as much as The Conjuring and I enjoyed Annabelle Creation. It was it was okay. I mean, we'll get to it towards the end of it with the did we see something scary and stuff like that. But um, I just yeah, man, I, I I almost want this to be a one and done type thing, just because I'm I'm afraid they're not they're not growing in um, my level of enjoyment. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like it'd be different if they were all consistent or if they were all uh, or if it was growing each time. But it's actually kind of diminishing each time, and so now I'm, I'm afraid of what the Conjuring Three is going to be. Well, I watch it, of course, but at the same time, I'm, I'm worried that it's going to not, you know, uh, again, and I'm jumping ahead and I apologize, but uh, I would probably rank this like a five, Annabelle Creation a five, and I'm just afraid that Conjuring 3, if there's already going to be three more movies or two more movies before that, that might be like a four, three or four. Yeah, so that's what we call the law of diminishing returns. Right. I mean, the easiest example is uh, from the from the world of drug abuse. That first high is incredible. Each subsequent high is lesser 
and you you know you take more and more to kind of try to get back to it. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite where you're at, but I'm very aware that that's a threat. Yeah. And uh, I I would hate to see it happen too. I'd rather them put a bow on it a little bit too early. Absolutely. Than continue stringing it out too yeah. long. You leave them one more. Yeah, for sure. Right. For sure. Um. So before we move on, let, let's rank real quick. Okay. So the Conjuring Universe films. What is your least favorite to your favorite? Uh, I'd go Annabelle, Annabelle Creation, Conjuring Two, The Conjuring. Okay, I'm with you, except I would flip The Conjuring Two and The Conjuring. Okay, I, I liked uh, I liked getting to spend more time with Ed and Lorraine as sort of heroes mm-hmm. in The Conjuring Two. That kind of pushed it over the top for me. Okay, that's fair. Uh, speaking of Ed and Lorraine Warren, uh, uh, have you ever do you read much about their career? Are you familiar with Ed and Lorraine Warren? I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know much about it until the first Conjuring movie, and then after that first Conjuring movie, then I started trying to dive in more and more mm-hmm. with their stuff. So I wouldn't say that I'm an expert by any source of the imagination, but I, I do feel like that I'm, I'm knowledgeable on, on the subject. They seem to be a people who are out ahead of their time. Definitely. You know, every time you turn on the TV, there's some new Ghost Hunter uh, reality TV series, right? Uh, they were doing that long before it was cool. Yeah. Um, now, a lot of people think they're hacks and fake artists and, and all that stuff. They, they very well may be, but they've got an interesting story. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in this, and I'm going to give this to our listeners as well. Uh, last year, I downloaded a book by Gerald Brittle named The Demonologist, The Extraordinary Career of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, he wrote that in 2013, I think. I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but that is a really fun book to listen to if you like ghost stories. Okay. I have no idea if any of it's true or not. Yeah. You know, I don't know if these are flim flam artists or if it's there's some legitimacy here, but they just go through notable careers mm-hmm. and then Ed and Lorraine's theory on the supernatural, and it's a pleasant listen to anybody who likes horror. Okay. So, Great. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. I would recommend that. So on that note too, the last little detail I wanted to bring up, I appreciated that at the end of the movie, when we see the the little girl who used to be Janice, now possessed by Annabelle, she's in an orphanage. She's calling herself Annabelle. This new couple shows up to adopt her and they bring her a doll. Mm-hmm. And out of the bag comes this Raggedy Ann doll. Yeah. And that's a that's a throwback to the fact that the the Annabelle doll that the movie is based on that, that's in Ed and Lorraine's collection is a Raggedy Ann doll. Right. I thought that was a neat little yeah, uh, that is a really Easter good, egg or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that is a really good uh, wink and a nudge there. Yeah, for sure. Well, Derek, uh, that's all I've got there. Any other details you want to throw in? Uh, no, man. Uh, I mean, I think you pretty much covered everything that that, uh, that needed to be covered for sure. Okay. Well, that comes to our uh, ultimate point here. The question, did we see something scary? I'm going to ask you, you've already done it once, but just so we're here together. Um, scale of 1 to 10, 1 being don't waste your time, 10 being get out, basically. Yeah. Uh, what do you put this down at? I'd say 5, man. Uh, it, nothing in this reinvents the wheel. There's nothing new in this movie. Uh, there's the, the more that I've went back and kind of rethought it, rethought it in my head and stuff, there's there's a bunch of... I, there's just nothing new to it, right? It's just a bunch of rehashed jump scares and things like that. And so, uh, it was enjoyable, but it, I wouldn't rank it any higher than a 5. Okay. So, since you're right in the middle there, strongest aspect of this movie? The strongest aspect of this movie movie, I think, are the two girls that play uh, Linda and uh, Janice. Janice, okay. 
weakest point of this movie? Um, originality. Okay. Well, I'm going to go slightly higher. I'm going to go seven on a 10-point scale. Supernatural horror is my thing. You know, like ghosts, demons. I'm probably biased there already. I'm with you. The strongest part of this movie is the performances from the young actresses. Uh, I'm going to give them a few extra points, though, because this movie is a mixture of tension setup mm-hmm. grounded in uh, sources that we don't often see used this way. So he spends a lot of time getting specific sounds in your ears, creaks and footsteps and stuff. But then he mixes in quite a few jump scares as well. I like that dynamic that part of the time is just a sense of dread and the, the other time are these unexpected scares that kind of make you jump. I can't remember which one it was, but one of the jump scares I jumped at. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah. I said, oh, you got me. Yeah. Uh, that, that's not as common as it used to be. Right. And so the, the jump scares were, so did the building of tension. I thought it was a good mix. Um, I would totally recommend seeing this movie. But the question before us is, the question before us, did we see something scary? I don't think so. I saw something tense, but not scary. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that there was ever a time where I was like, oh, or, you know, or anything like that. Um, there were a lot of times where I was like, you're being an idiot. Stop being an idiot. You know, um, and and one thing that I will say is that, it, I mean, it does it does hold your attention the entire time. Uh, and, and you're also, there's always this, to me, there was always this sense of dread in the yeah. movie. But as far as like something scary, I don't, I don't think that I saw that. All right. Well, I'm going to say we did see something scary. And I'm also going to say that uh, the average viewer of this movie is not going to be as, um, I don't want to say hardened, but as... Conditioned. Conditioned. Good word. As conditioned as uh, you are to horror. Sure. I think you can reliably rent this mm-hmm. or whenever it comes to Netflix, stream it. Definitely. And your date is going to get scared and you're going to get you know an experience saying, yeah, that was worth the time. Sure. Yeah. All right, man. Well, guys, there you go. Mixed reviews from the Triple uh, S guys, but we both kind of agree most people are going to generally find this movie pretty scary. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this this isn't, for me, this this isn't a movie that hindsight I would have went and watched in the theaters. Oh, um, that hurts me, man. But it is a movie that, yeah, if you've got, if you've got, you know, if you've got a night where you're, you and your date are trying to figure out something to watch and it's on Netflix or it's at Redbox, absolutely go watch it from there. Um, and I'm probably saying that because I dropped as much coin as I did. Yeah, it was an expensive buy. Um, Thank you, AMC. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's a good movie to rent. I, I wouldn't watch it in the theaters. I'll, I'll just keep it at that. Well, I, again, I'm going to differ with you. Sure. I'd watch it in the theaters. The, the, the one thing I would say is if you're going to skip the theater, make sure you watch this on a really good home entertainment system because sound is really important to what Sandberg's trying to do and setting up scares. Or okay, whatnot. that's fair. Yeah. That's so, fair. Anyway. Uh, I guess I'm looking at it from a price point of like, I don't think I would have spent that much money to watch it. But you're right. It does need to be, you need, you do need to have like a good surround sound and things like that just to get the full experience. I do agree with you on that. Yeah, sure. All right, guys. Well, that is all we got for this week's uh, Saw Something Scary. If you're listening to this. That means my fumble butt didn't end up deleting the episode, so victory for Team Jeff. And hey, if you're not listening to my voice, that means that that's, that's exactly what happened, and you just get to hear Jeff do another great episode by himself. And if so. it is just me talking, I'm going to lie and pretend like Derek raved about this movie. All right, man. Well, we we still need people to get out there and leave us some five-star reviews if they're willing to do so. Uh, Friends, if you're listening to this and you enjoy us bringing the content to you every week, one, we really appreciate you listening. Two, it would be a huge favor to us if you would get on and leave us a five-star review. Write whatever you want to in the text field. Just click five stars for us. That helps more people find us, and we are very thankful for every new listener we get, along with those of you who come back to us consistently every week. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Uh, please spread the word. Let, let people know uh, any of your friends that might be interested in horror movies or podcasting or a horror movie podcast or snark or uh, shameless self-promotion like myself, for instance, that'll be at the South Street Comedy Club on Saturday night in Jackson, Tennessee. And at Clarion in Cookville, Tennessee, next Tuesday at 8:30. Um, if you're a fan of any of that, give us five stars. Let us know what you think about it. We'll definitely give you a shout out on the air. We'll definitely send you a Saw Something Scary T-shirt when we have those available. But the only way we're going to have those available is if we get more people to listen to the show. So balls in your court. <laughs> there you go. All right, we want to say thanks to Ryan and Brewer for our theme music, and you guys can find him on uh, at Ryan and Brewer on Twitter, and you can you can find him on Spotify and Pandora as well. Ryan and Brewer, uh, very very talented. He has uh, last time I checked on Spotify, he has three albums up. Um, one of them is called Take It With a Shaker, uh, recorded live at Logan. At, excuse me, at, recorded live at Logan Street Sanctuary is a phenomenal, phenomenal album. Uh, it's got some of his best stuff on there. Go, go listen to it, download it, put some shekels in my boy's pocket. Thank you as always, Ryan and Brewer, for our theme music. Very quick, can they find you on social media? You can find me at Derek Zoo on all social media platforms. And remember, South Street Comedy Club, Saturday night, 9.30, Clarion, uh, Cookville, Tennessee, 8.30. You can find us at Scary Podcast on Twitter, Facebook.com forward slash Scary uh, Podcast as well. Also, you can find us on our subreddit, forward slash R, forward slash Saw Something Scary. And if you're interested in getting at me, it's at Right Jeff on most social media platforms. What are we going to watch next week, Derek? Uh, man, I don't know. Maybe Green Room? Yeah, we'll pencil in Green Room. Guys, if you have any preference on what we watch between Dracula and Green Room, hey, get at us. Let us know. You'll help swing the uh, decision. Or throw something else at us if you want us to do something else besides either one of those. Be like, hey, I'd like for you to do The Strangers. Or, hey, I'd like for you to do The Monster Project. Or, hey, I'd like for you to... You know what I'm saying. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. Just talk to us. All right, Jake, that'll wrap us up. You want to send us out? Yep. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, we appreciate it. We will see you next week. And as always, bye-bye, man. Jesus, Jesus.